from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Jenny Lamb. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. In our main topic today, we'll be looking at the government's plans to speed up the process for firing poorly performing civil servants. At the moment, it can take up to three years to complete disciplinary proceedings. That's far longer than in some other places, such as Singapore and South Korea. The proposed reforms seek to change that by reducing the number of steps involved. But unionists worry this could harm workers' morale. So, what do you think? Is this long overdue, or are we becoming too tough on civil servants? And later in the programme, we're going to find out why back pain is so common among street cleaners. Let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rt. THK.HK or give us a call on 233-88266. Our guests in the main uh, section of the show this morning, uh, we have with us uh, Professor Ho Lok San, who is uh, the director of the Pan Su Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. And we also have Alan Lung. Alan Lung is the co-convener international and board member of Path of Democracy. So we'll go to you first, uh, Ho Lok San. Does it make, does it make uh, civil servants vulnerable to unfair dismissal, this new ruling? Well, well, of course, I am uh, all for accountability, you know, especially uh, public servants. Uh, it's very important that uh, civil servants be held accountable. And uh, I understand that uh, uh, traditionally the process of uh, making someone accountable, you know, for um, uh, poor performance has been very, very difficult. It takes a very time consuming. And so it's not very effective. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, in, it's really important, you know, very, 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 uh, uh, really important that the process be, be fair and that uh, it's also transparent and, uh, and, and that the process, you know, the speed, uh, 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 speeded up process is not being abused itself, you know, because I, I'm a bit worried, you know, that some people may, may hold... Uh, people that they don't like uh, 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 responsible for some of the poor performance. There uh, is an existing process. There, yeah, there is an existing process in which the department heads then have to go to um, seek a review panel and look at the person's performance. Right, so right, now right. that review panel is no longer there. Does that put too much power in the hands of department heads? Yes, I, as I said, I'm I'm concerned about uh, poor, uh, possible abuse, you know, by 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 people uh, who just want to find a, a scapegoat or or, or, or you know um, uh, make someone that they do not like, you know, suffer from from some of the um, uh, <laughs> things that they. You know, just just because uh, they they may not like a particular person, you know, that they uh, um, uh, make them go away, you know. But uh, the problem is that uh, uh, this uh, the principle is is good, but it's really important to make sure that the process is fair. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we should know. I mean, this all dates back to uh, Chief Executive John Lee's uh, policy address when he, he made clear, he said that it should be easier to reward um, uh, good, well-performing civil servants and easier to remove uh, poorly um, performing uh, civil yeah, servants. Yeah, the principle I uh, fully endorse. 
use fully endorsement. But let, let's be, I mean, even after the, these proposed reforms, it will still be far, far more difficult to remove a civil servant than someone working in any other, any other job in, in almost any other job in Hong Kong. You can be summoned in the office in the morning and you're, you're out on the street um, 30 minutes later. So it's still well, going to be... Uh, I think that that should be a bit uh, um, overdone. Um, uh, the, the important thing is to, is is to make sure that it's not uh, just one person who who is responsible. You know, for, uh, uh, who has that power? You know, too much power uh, vested in one person, in one uh, uh, supervisor, would be very very dangerous. Uh, so. At least that power has to be uh, shared among uh, several people so that uh, uh, it's not possible for one person to abuse his power. Alan Long, you're with the Path of Democracy. Uh, was this change necessary? Do we have to speed up the, the process um, to, to uh, fire civil servants who aren't performing? Do, do you want me to answer this question, what do you think is this long overdue first? <laughs> sure. Is it, is it long overdue? It is long overdue. Um, I think they are not really dealing with uh, civil service reform and they're really dealing with a very pragmatic uh, management problem within the civil service. Uh, I, I know, I'm not a civil servant, but uh, I know the, uh, the dismissal process in private sector because I've, I've worked for private sectors all my life, particularly in uh, advertising agencies where the job is you're always at risk of being fired. The client doesn't like you, a big client, you can be fired. But even in those situations, uh, your immediate boss cannot fire you. You have to go up one step, uh, escalate it to the next level uh, before the boss can fire you. This is private, private sector practice, well, in uh, more major companies and so on. But uh, my understanding of the civil service dismissal process comes from a contemporary uh, retired civil servants, actually a classmate in secondary school when we get together. And they talk about things. And this guy is a, well, he's a PhD in engineering of uh, retired. When he retired, he was assistant director at a mid-sized department, an engineering, you know, technical guy. And he told me about, uh, he, was, he said he was brave enough to dismiss a guy, which was really an exception. And he had to go through first before any disciplinary procedure. You know, they would complain about this guy. So it, he, he run, he placed this guy in every department, uh, every unit of, this, of his department. And then they, they actually found out that this guy is not just lazy or not performing he's per persuading other people not to work so there are extreme situations in uh, you know you have the large largest employer in in the in in the market in the uh, in, in hong kong you have those issues really uh, practical pragmatic issues that you have to deal with but it's always been the case, hasn't it? It's been argued that um, civil servants need to have uh, greater job security, um, uh, prevent some against uh, temptations of corruption, and also um, at the higher grades means that they can speak frankly to to their bosses and, and give it, give advice accordingly. I mean, former Chief Secretary Anson Chan used to say that a lot. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, that uh, civil service morale and the argument that they, they could be framed for political comment and so on. My understanding in, in working uh, 
in a project, a government-funded project, like Hong Kong U on open data, which is somewhat related to government interventions. Uh, we actually had two groups of uh, civil servants. We have to assure them that you know, there, are, there are issues with uh, civil servants who don't want their names or even their, their department uh, disclosed. And, but we have to find out you know, what's their view on uh, open data, which is critical in uh, collecting data and you know, you know, you know uh, when your bus arrived, all those are open data behind it. And this was a few years ago when even bus com- company were not willing to disclose you know, their schedules. And it has since changed, probably par- par- partly because of that project and, and, and report to government. We found that uh, civil servants, uh, they are not senior civil servants, they are mid-grade uh, civil servants. They're ex- extremely enthusiastic about telling us what is the problem, what is their view. So I think the majority of civil servants are really enthusiastic, are really on, turn on in doing a good job. And those, even those guys, uh, their performance or their, their, their wishes to, to, to serve the people we blocked by the, you know, the, 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 the poor performers we're talking about who, who try to block things and so on. I mean, with the uh, largest employer in Hong Kong, talking about two, 300,000 employees, those things happen. And I think John Lee was, you know, brave enough to face it, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Okay, we're discussing uh, government proposals to to, uh, streamline the uh, process uh, for dismissing civil servants. Uh, Our guests, uh, uh, you just had Alan Leung, the co-convener of Path for Democracy, and also with us, uh, Professor Holok Sang from Lingnan University. Uh, If you have any thoughts, uh, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call on 233-88266. Several comments from listeners coming in. Let let me bring in one comment, and perhaps uh, Holok Sang, maybe you'd like to respond. Uh, Neil says, uh, streamlining the civil service dismissal procedure is long overdue. Will this new system apply only to the lower ranks in the civil service on the civil service master pay scale, or will it also apply to civil servants in the higher ranks, such as those on the directorate pay scale? Thank you very much, Neil. You've got detailed knowledge of civil service grade structure. What, what do you think, uh, Holok Sang, should the n- yes, new think, system uh, apply uh, to everyone? It's, yeah, it's important that uh, uh, people uh, all, all the way up have to be um, subject to the same uh, uh, scheme. You, you know, if you have a, a, a more uh, efficient way of uh, dismissing someone who is incompetent, uh, I, I, I think it should apply all the way to um, even secretaries. I would say that secretaries should also be held accountable. Well, let's remember that secretaries are no longer civil servants, and indeed that, yeah, 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 that yeah, was yeah, changed, yeah, 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 wasn't permanent it? Permanent secretaries. Oh, permanent secretaries, yeah, right. Permanent but secretaries. How about ministers? That, that was, the ministers used to be civil servants. That was changed partly to, uh, the reason at the time was to make it easier for them to um, to be dismissed. But uh, it's been a long time since we saw a, um, a minister dismissed, Holok Sang. It did use, it happened 20 years or so ago, but not, not for a long time since then. Holok Sang, uh, should, should, yeah. should, yes, should, should we uh, be seeing the, the same sort of rigour, as you said, to permanent secretaries, but how about government ministers as well? Yeah, government ministers, of course, they, they, they should be held accountable, and, and that's the, the entire idea of uh, political responsibility. You know, so uh, I understand that uh, in the past, uh, for example, uh, Regina Ip did, uh, yeah. did, re- mm-hmm. did resign, you know, um, uh, because of some... 
turned out that was not expected, and 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 she she thought uh, she had uh, a better resign, and 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 I think uh, at least one or two other people had also done that. Uh, but the the principle uh, of accountability, of course, applies to everyone, you know, including the chief executive. Right. So, so but yeah, but 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 this time this time, of course, we're we're just talking about civil servants. Mm-hmm. So, so let's look at, at some statistics here. Um, 451 civil servants in the past two years faced disciplinary action um, of some kind. Now, the chairman of the Federation of Civil Service Unions, Lung Chaoting, is worried that he feels that Hong Kong society is so, so politicized and this change will make um, it's easy for civil servants to be misunderstood when they say things that are deemed inappropriate. Uh, Holo Sang, do you think he has a point there? Well, of course I understand um, these worries, uh, but um, having uh, the, the power shared among several people, uh, like a review committee or something like that, I think it's important, as I said, <clears throat> If too much power is vested in just one, one uh, superior, then it could be uh, subject to abuse. And uh, <clears throat> whether, whether this abuse is intentional or whether it's not intentional, still it's, uh, if it's not a fair process, it shouldn't uh, be allowed. So it's important that uh, there's transparency and that, this, uh, and that it's not just one person who, is, uh, who, who, who has that power you know, to dismiss a particular uh, civil servant. Alan, do you agree that this uh, yes. new system... Uh, maybe we'll... Sorry, just interrupt. We'll say thank you very much to Professor Holok Sang, who um, okay, has, to, has, to, has to leave now. Uh, Alan Lung? Well, I, I think, uh, we, we, you know, uh, in management or, or public service, there has to be a degree of moderation. And I think uh, this sort of uh, proposal is trying to pull back an extreme situation where well, through the appeal board, the process can be delayed and delayed and delayed and up to three years or more. And so nobody uh, in management, uh, I think they, they usually, uh, particularly the AOs who make the final decisions in the department are rotated almost every three, four years. So nobody is, is brave enough to tackle such a subject in real situations. So, those, depa- those people are never de- dealt with. And there are, there are uh, departments in, in, uh, in, uh, within the, the Hong Kong Civil Service that are notoriously bad, such as the Labor Department. Of course, they are... They are Sorry, why do, why do you say the Labor Department's notoriously bad? It's just by reputation. <laughs> there are lots of lazy bum there. Well, I, mean, I think we have to... <laughs> a lower, the lower levels, people who deal with the ranks and files and so on. Uh, I'm not, I think this, is not, this proposal is not really designed to deal with uh, the directorate-grade civil servants. Uh, they, they rise, why, why do you say it's not designed to deal with the directorate? I mean, they, I, I mean they, we just... They, they, I think the people who, who are, are appointed or rise to those ranks went through vigorous procedures. They're selected... And uh, the perform- performance are, 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 are sort of evaluated before they rise to, to a director directorate level. I think but, those, so you- those 
those situations that, that is mentioned in the paper is really trying to deal with the rank and files. If the, you know, the really bad situation in the rank and files. So you're saying that the review system is too inefficient. But can we make not make it more efficient, like put a timeline on it rather than getting rid of it altogether? I think this is what they're proposing, putting a timeline line on it, on it, making, you know, uh, there is one extreme and there is another extreme where power is vested in one person, uh, as Holoksang is saying, that is an extreme situation. The other extreme is nobody can, can get fires within the situation. In terms of moderation, you have to find out somewhere in the middle where it's practical, fair, and so on. And, and I think this is what they're tra- talking about. Okay, uh, several comments coming in from listeners. If you'd like to join them, do email backchat at rthk or hk, or you go to our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free. Uh, one comment I presume slightly tongue in cheek from Lewis says, "Would the changes to civil service rules mean that senior police officers found in brothels during working hours could be dismissed summarily?" Uh, another comment from Mike and um, Alan Lung. Perhaps um, we could pick up on this with you. Uh, Mike says, uh, "Should we speed up the dismissal process or open up a whistleblower process?" The later might would uh, improve the system if that's the goal. It seems some might think the whole, the goal is to purge the dissenting among us. Um, uh, and then how about the whole issue of whistleblowers? Because there's two sides to this. One is that um, uh, that uh, people might fear that uh, this would be used to punish whistleblowers. The other is, of course, that uh, people who are disciplined uh, may, may then claim that they were whistleblowers, whether or not they really were. I mean, just as a, uh, as, as a sort of possible defence, I don't know. I think uh, whether they're whistleblower or not, will in, in in existing process, whether they're whistleblower or not, will be they'll be they'll be testified, not by one person, but as in the case of of uh, the, the you know my 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 uh, classmate who who mentioned it to us, they they went he he had to went through every department, and every depart uh, unit had give a testament testimony. So if they claim, if a specific person claimed he, they, he was unfairly dismissed because of, you know, he's a whistleblower or he's not just lazy or disruptive and so on, there will be there'll be people testifying for him or against him. But there is no whistleblower lo- uh, rules in, in civil service. And, and I don't think the nature of civil servants, they're whistleblowers. They're, they're simply, they are not. They are political okay. dissension, which, are, which is deal with, you know, under national security law, and that's a different subject altogether. Yeah, I mean, the, the civil servants uh, has been subject to a, a, a lot of changes. So, for example, they had to, um, you know, um, make a declaration to to stick to the basic law, etc. And now, you know, they, they are saying, the Federation uh, of, of, of Civil Servants Unions is saying, this is going to lower morale even further. Isn't that a worry? Well, I would be more worried if I, if I were a civil servant and, and I... I mean, because they, the civil servants at all ranks and all levels are paid much better than, than the private sector, much more security. Uh, my morale would be even lower if I were dismissed. If I'm, I'm, if I'm, dis- if I were disruptive, and they have to face the consequence for for their action. And and in the past, particularly the lower ranks people has been able to hide, use all the cracks in the system to you know not not work basically.
There is still a perception, isn't there, that a civil service job is an iron rice bowl job, isn't there, Alan? It is. <laughs> it is. So it's not just a perception. You'd say it, it's true, right? It is. Because <laughs> we, we've I mean, had uh, repeated, I mean, I think the, secretary, the previous Secretary for Civil Service going around repeatedly saying it's not an iron rice bowl, but you're saying whatever they say, it, really, it, it is an iron rice bowl, right? I think for, for the, the senior-ranking staff, they need to work very, very much, much work much harder now because I think uh, Beijing is taking a serious look at the governance in Hong Kong and making demands or sometimes requests, sometimes demand. But how do you distinguish, distinguish a request from a demand at the very senior level to look into the performance and governance of, of Hong Kong? And the lower-ranked people, because there are so many of them, and uh, they can still hide within the system and, and, you know, not perform and get paid. Yeah, you, you said a moment earlier that you you think that some of them make excuses basically not perform and not work properly. Can you give us some examples? What are you thinking about? Uh, the I, the only example I know, I told you already, you know, pe- the per- person who who persuade other people not to, to, to perform. But I think it's generally known that within uh, not just uh, civil service in a publicly funded organization, uh, they stick to their working hours, unlike uh, in private sector where, where they work beyond reasonable working hours. They work nights and days and, you know, to get a project done. This doesn't happen in, in, uh, in, uh, civil, in, in the civil service. But again, I think you're going to just draw a distinction between the ordinary ranks and the higher ranks, the directorate, right? I mean, we often see, see civil servants from the higher ranks, directorate appearing on TV shows and radio programs at the weekend and so on, all kinds of hours. Yes, they, they do. They do have. Uh, uh, it's much more demanding on the professional grades and uh, and the administrative grades now because they're they're being pushed at the political level to to perform. And I think many of them are happy to to be performing, to be serving the community. I think a majority of them wants wants to deliver service and want to do well and so on. This is you're talking about sort of uh, John Lee's uh, results orientated government, right? Uh, I, I I don't think it's 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 really, you know, John Lee cannot sort of raise a flag and I want you to work, you know, and want you to perform. And the the, the situation I think uh, among civil servants is actually quite positive. The experience I, I have in interviewing them in, in behind closed door, they are very, very enthusiastic and trying to you know, talk through a university research unit and trying to tell, things, tell us the real things so that he can write proper report uh, to influence the, uh, you know, the open data policy. We, we've seen a lot of people leaving the civil service, but you still see a lot of applications, don't you, right? It's still, you, you'd say that there's still a lot of people in Hong Kong who want to be civil servants? Well, because they're so well paid. You know, it's, a, it's actually a, a good career path. And even if, you, if your intention is to leave the civil service for a while, it's a good you know, uh, item on your resume, on your CV and so on. But I think uh, a lot of senior civil servants, particularly uh, they're not civil servants, they're teachers, left because they're not comfortable with this NSL thing. And I think this is something that needs to be addressed, but addressed separately, not within this uh, 
civil service uh, dismissal proposal. I mean, what you're saying is that there are specific grades where there are problems, right? I think throughout, people who are not comfortable with, uh, you know, Hong Kong shouldn't, shouldn't be talking about NSL every day. I mean, it's over now. Let's get, get, get over with it. Okay, but I mean, later on, early on, you were talking about Labour Department and things like that. Um, but if you're a Labour Department inspector, you're not really affected by anything relating to NSL, are you? They're not. They're not. In, they're not even. In, you know, I mean, a majority of of of, of uh, civil servants are basically very, very, very apolitical. They really don't care about politics, okay. and well, they they want they want. They, they try to avoid the subjects. OK, um, yeah. let's, sorry, just hold that thought because we're going to take a short break for the news. But uh, Anna Nung will stay with us and we're going to continue this discussion. Um, uh, later on, we're also going to be talking about back pain among street cleaners. So uh, do feel free to um, uh, email us at backchat at rthk or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page. Uh, the weather forecast, it's mainly fine and very hot. Isolated showers in the afternoon. Maximum temperature will be around 34 degrees. Currently, it's 31 degrees and the relative humidity is 73%. It's 9.30, the news with Maya Cohen. A former chairman of the Hong Kong Institute of Engineers Building Division says the government needs to take action over ageing buildings as their numbers have increased from around 3,000 to 9,000 in the past decade. Adam Choi says building owners also need more awareness of their maintenance responsibilities. He was commenting after falling masonry, possibly due to repairs on, the build, on a building, punctuated the roof of a bus yesterday. The former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan has been disqualified from politics for five years. The ruling from the Election Commission is in line with his conviction on corruption charges three days ago and his resulting three-year prison sentence, but it's not clear whether his disqualification starts now or when he's freed from jail. And the leaders of eight South American countries have agreed to launch an alliance to tackle deforestation in the Amazon, which is seen as a key measure in combating climate change. They signed a joint declaration at a regional summit held in the Brazilian city of Belém, but no specific steps have been agreed yet. The news from RTHK. Rivers help carry rainwater away. They bring in vitality to communities. And they're inhabited by many different species. While we should admire our rivers, we should also stay alert to changes in the weather. During bad weather, a rainstorm could cause a flash flood. And we should stay away from watercourses. Enjoy river scenery. Beware of flash floods. Cannabis is a dangerous drug. From February 1st, 2023, cannabidiol or CBD is also a dangerous drug under the law. It is illegal to possess or trade CBD products in Hong Kong without permission. Also, don't bring any CBD products into Hong Kong from abroad. Trafficking or sales of CBD products will be subject to a maximum fine of $5 million and life imprisonment. Visit the Narcotics Division's webpage on CBD for details. CBD, not for me. Let's stand firm. Knock drugs out. 
Welcome back to Backchat. I'm Danny Giddings. Your guest presenter this morning is Jenny Lamb. In the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussion about uh, government plans to um, uh, speed up the process for disciplining poorly performing civil servants. Uh, and later on, we're going to be talking about back pain um, among street cleaners. If you've got any thoughts on either topic, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and comment there. Our guest, as we continue the discussion, uh, still with us is Alan Leung from the uh, Path for Democracy. And we're also now joined by um, uh, Elizabeth Bosher, who is a former civil servant. She was a Deputy Secretary for Economic Services, among other positions. So, Elizabeth Bosher, do you think um, this disciplinary action, uh, the streamlining, is long overdue? Um, good morning. Uh, I've obviously been listening to the first part of the programme, and I think um, a lot of major points have been raised. Um, Overdue is not quite the word I would use. I, th I think it raises some more fundamental issues about the entire appraisal process within the civil service. Um, because what tends to happen is that, uh, especially when, when senior officers are very busy, is that the whole process of, for example, um, mentoring staff and then every year giving them the uh, confidential report that, that they have to write tends to get put on the back burner especially if an officer isn't performing well, there's a reluctance to actually sit down and talk through the issues with him or her. Um, quite often there's a, a wide variety of reasons why somebody isn't performing. I think Alan's example of somebody who was deliberately trying to encourage people not to work is a bit, bit unusual. I think mostly it's, it's caused by maybe a, a lack of motivation, a lack of mentoring as, as to what is expected. And um, these are the things that lead to people, you know, becoming less motivated to, um, to fulfil their duties effectively. You, you seem to be saying there are wider problems with the appraisal service within the uh, appraisal system within the civil service. And on that point, let, let, let me bring in uh, something that was noted by a legislative council report when they were looking at this whole these whole issues. They said civil service pr uh, pr performance appraisals tended to be over generous, with ninety nine percent of staff being given the top three grades on the performance appraisal. Is is that a problem that you, you, you remember, Liz Boshan, uh, believe is still a problem in the civil service? Well, that's very much part of the problem, and I think it's not just in the civil service. As I say, people, when people are working closely with somebody, they're very reluctant to, um, to give them a bad report because they know that's going to um, make the atmosphere more difficult between them and, and, and so on. So that's, um, I thought Professor Hall made a very good point about not placing these sorts of decisions in the hands of one person. I think the, the crux of the appraisal process is that it does chiefly involve a one-on-one -on -one situation between the uh, reporting officer and the, and the person who's being reported on. And I think it would be much healthier if, if there was more than one person involved. I mean, there is a counter-signing officer when it comes to reporting, but they're not usually involved at the initial stage. And there's very rarely a, a discussion between reporting officer and the counter-signing officer as to how they think a particular um, person being reported on is performing. Um, right. Interestingly, sorry, if I, uh, there's a report just come out from the UK Civil Service, and the timing is interesting because this was published in April, which is talking also about streamlining the process for dealing with underperforming staff. Um, but throughout that, there are plenty of checks and balances <clears throat> within the system. For example, 
and somebody who's being told that they're not performing well will be called to a meeting and he's allowed for example to invite a representative of his civil service union to sit in on the discussion and this i think deals with the the issue that professor hall was raising about you know people you know um picking on people that they don't like or perhaps being unfair in in their assessment Right, but this, this this change comes in a sort of sensitive time in Hong Kong, doesn't it? After the introduction of the national security law, um, and, uh, and and so do you do you believe that the uh, uh, Federation of um, Civil Service Unions has a point that this might make people vulnerable to unfair dismissal? Well, I'm going to give. Um, um the government, the administration, the benefit of the doubt on this. I don't think that's primarily what's, what's driving this move. But I think in, in the current climate, it is all the more important that, that this, the system is transparent, that it isn't up to one single person to decide on somebody's fate. And that, as I say, there is sort of proactive follow-up. If, if somebody's told that they're not performing well, um, the system is that the performance then has to be more close, closely monitored. But during that period, there should be proactive counselling of, of the officer going on, not just you know leaving another six months or maybe up to a year go by without any really active follow-up to, to help him improve. Okay, look, sorry, uh, uh, please, please, please come in. That's Alan Lung uh, for Path of Democracy. Can I offer a sort of a cynical comment from uh, my friend and, and classmate? And he said, you know, one of the things you do when you want to get get rid of, an, uh, you know, a non-performing uh, coll colleague or employee or subordinate is to give him a high grade so that he's transferred out of the department. And this is a practical situation <laughs> yeah. that they deal with. They, that's the, one of the tricks they pull. Rather than facing this uh, long, you know, human resources counselling and all that sort of thing. Okay, uh, a lot of comments coming from listeners this morning. Let's bring in another email from Mark, a slightly different perspective. Um, Mark says, to say that the private sector staff work longer hours and are therefore more productive fails to recognise that this is exploitation of staff. A long-held trend in the private sector working extra hours with comp compensation illustrates an exploitation of staff and is not something to be admired. Interesting point. Uh, Liz Bosher? Um, I think Alan made some very good points. There are a lot of extremely hard-working civil servants. I mean, it, it, it's wrong to say that everybody is, is malingering. And I mean, most of us have frontline experience in some of the Busier departments like immigration, who, um, where I think the staff perform extremely well under a lot of pressure day in and day out. Well, so um, no, I mean, it's about, what, 160,000 civil servants? They're going to be many, many, many hard work. I mean, I think the point here is it, it's, it's the minority who might, you might say, let the side down, right, Liz Bosher? Yes, and I think what I'm saying is that it's incumbent upon the supervisor, the, 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 per, the reporting officer, who play their part, first of all, in finding out why this, this person is not performing up to standard. Um, morale is extremely important, and there are all sorts of constituent, constituent factors in, in ensuring morale am among staff. Um, I think it's a little bit bizarre that the Secretary for Civil Service should be thinking that, you know, showing staff that they can be laid off more easily than before is going to actually raise raise morale. I think there's, 
what is what is more important is is good communication between supervisor and the supervised. Okay. Another point that the chief executive was making um, in, in regards to these new regulations is not just to discipline them um, uh, more tough in a, in a more tough way, but also to reward the good performers. Do you think that's enough being done in, on that aspect? Um, I think. Well, the reward for most civil servants is the hope of promotion. Um, so that, that's basically that's true what, of any job. <laughs> oh yes, I mean there's, there's not financial benefit, obviously, I'm not in performing better. But uh, I mean this is primarily the difference I think between the the civil service and and the private sector is that the reward would be in the in fulfilling your your public service. You are a public servant, and there is that in a sense is is a, a reward in itself. Uh, I don't know. There are actually many, many in the middle to middle higher rank civil service that do what Liz Bosher said, that, that they want to serve the community. And I think the uh, in terms of we're not talking about civil service reform yet. I think one of the things that was proposed, I, I forgot by, by whom or, you know, is, is to recruit people, not just by their grades, uh, uh, you know, uh, High grades in university, uh, 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 top university graduates, but by their willingness and their commitment to serve the community, that you know they really want to serve. They just they they just they, just, they don't want to. They not they do not just want a good job, but they really want to serve. And in the recruitment process at the. Uh, at the senior level, at uh, university graduate, uh, junior AOs, junior EOs levels, they have to sort out those people. Uh, uh, you have good grades, but what about, you know, are you really into public service? Elizabeth Bolcher, is a, should the recruitment process be improved too? Uh, sorry, the, the general recruitment process? Uh, with, with the civil servants, uh, Alan Long is saying it's all based on academic performance. That you need, really need to find people who want to devote themselves to service, to you know, in the government. Do that's you? Right. Do you that, I mean, that sort of motivation is. Um, I think the recruitment processes are, are are pretty robust in the civil service. You normally have to go through more than one um, interview, you know, face to face interview, which actually spends quite a long time. Pr probing your, your motives for wanting to join, join the civil service. I think my point about going forward and, and the appraisal process was that, that that kind of interaction and mentoring of staff seems to drop off, partly because senior staff become busier and busier. And, and you know, the whole process of talking to staff and, and filling in very conscientiously their, their annual reports tends to get on, on the side, you know, in, 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 in because of other pressures. Let's say in the closing phase of the discussion, let, let's broaden out the discussion slightly and look looking into the future, how we think the Hong Kong civil service might be changing in the coming years. I mean, it's still, it, it was a uh, colonial civil service and um, uh, still uh, a, a English very important, a lot done in English, and um, you don't get people from the mainland joining the civil service. I mean, Alan Lung, if we, you gauge in your crystal ball um, 10, 20 years ahead, um, what, what sort of shape do you think you'd see the Hong Kong civil service in then? I think English will still be very important. 
I think English is getting more and more important in the GBA area. And the GBA, you know, my, my understanding in, in uh, traveling into uh, uh, GBA, visited several universities in, in, uh, in a GBA with the Lingnan University Council was they're trying to put English education at least as a test in the GBA area so that they become, GBA become more international. So that's not going to change. The only thing that, that's going to change is I don't think the intention is to import mainland people because of cultural reason and unless they have Hong Kong residency and they, they grow up in this area and so on. This is not to bar mainland-born people in, in, into the civil service, but I think I don't think uh, the intention is to change mainland Hong Kong system to mainland system. But I, I understand that from Xiao uh, Long, uh, you know, the director of Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office, comment before he came to Hong Kong was to introduce much more robust robust. Uh, public consultation system, which is, I think the Hong Kong SAR government is still trying to, to understand what, what it is. Do you, uh, do you think, called, um, Alan, sorry, do you think China is still highly regarded? I mean, I remember Chen Chi-Chen, the former uh, foreign minister of China, referred to um, uh, the, uh, the Hong Kong civil service as a national treasure. Do you, do you think China still highly regards the Hong Kong civil service or the events of recent years uh, I, might have I, caused I, I, them to reappraise? I think it's a definite yes that they, they still have high regard for civil service. It's the political skill of the, uh, you know, at, at the minister level that, that they are muttering about. And what, what do you, how do you improve it's the political skills of, uh, you know, uh, people who are already in that position? Elizabeth Wilson, yeah. what, what do you I, think? I have do you to say, <laughs> I, don't, I don't totally agree with Alan on, on that point. I, I think one of the... The, the, the trends that is definitely um, out there now is, in a sense, to try and um, not completely marginalise, but to reduce the influence of the administrative officer grade, which was the grade that I belonged to formerly, and which, of course, is, has been the chief policy-making grade in the civil service, and where you were brought up in a culture of... Um, not necessarily not thinking you had to agree with your boss all the time, being encouraged to put forward ideas um, and, and so on. And I think, candidly, I think it's been thought in some, some circles that administrative officers don't always do, do what they're told. They don't, they don't just follow orders and that to that extent they're a bit of a nuisance and... Um, possibly even a threat to the smooth running of it. I hope that's not true, um, but I, I don't think we can assume that, that um, it, yeah. Beijing feels quite the same way about the Hong Kong civil service as it perhaps once did. So do, do, you, do you think that the Hong Kong civil service, I mean, they do organise these visits for civil servants to Beijing to learn how government works there. Do you feel that there needs to be more integration and sort of mutual understanding with the mainland government? I think it's absolutely essential that, that um, local civil servants do gain more understanding. Um, but it should be a, a two-way street, and um, I, I don't think that's going to happen any time soon. And um, I don't really like the idea of, um, of people who are, have not been sort of born and grown up here sort of being helicoptered in. 
Just, just now, uh, I suppose I was asking Alan Lone to look into his crystal ball 10 or 20 years down the road, and he was seeing a Hong Kong civil service pretty similar to today. I mean, you, you seem to have, you have a slightly different opinion? or I, I think the, uh, from, the, from the way the civil service was, was received in Beijing, at the, uh, I think it was received at the Jiutai uh, State uh, Guest House. And, the, and and no other political groups other than than serving secretary were received in there. And I mean the legislative legislative council don't even get there. Okay. So uh, you, mm. Yeah, sorry, let, let, let's close by going back to Liz Beauchamp and her, her thoughts on whether the civil service is still gonna Hong Kong civil service is still gonna be around in its present form in a decade or so. Liz Beauchamp? Well, I, ver- I very much hope so. Uh, I think there's a lot to be um really a lot to be admired about the way it has operated. But as I say, the, the, the key to that has been to allow civil servants to um, freely express their, their views. I'm talking about ones at the policy-making level, obviously higher up, up the point. Freely express their views without fear or favour. And, um, and in, in that way, to, to sort of contribute good ideas to policy-making. Okay, well, we'll, the line. <laughs> we'll have to uh, draw the discussion to close now. Thanks very much to our guest. You just heard Elizabeth Bosher, former civil servant. Uh, she was Deputy Secretary for Economic Services, among other positions, um, and Alan Lung, co-convener of the Path of Democracy. Earlier on in the discussion, we also had uh, Professor Holox Han from Ling, Ling University. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, LTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Well, <clears throat> welcome back to Backchat. In the uh, final section of this morning's programme, we're going to be looking at a, a rather alarming uh, survey of uh, cleaning workers in Hong Kong, who, of course, perform such an essential role. Um, but the survey found that uh, 80% of uh, cleaning workers uh, had uh, a body pain for more than two weeks. Uh, more than half of them had in interviewed had pain that lasted for more than a year. But uh, perhaps most alarmingly of all, more than half of them did not seek medical treatment for their pain. The main reason they're too busy with work and had no time and also they considered medical costs too high. Uh, to discuss uh, this uh, rather alarming, the results of this rather alarming survey, we're joined by Ivy Hoy. Ivy Hoy is community organiser for the Concern for Grassroots and Livelihood Alliance. Uh, good morning, Ms Hoy. Welcome to Backchat. Good morning. Uh, please please tell, me, tell us more about these, these survey results. Yeah, we have just uh, interviewed uh, 210 uh, cleaning workers in uh, in Mong Kok and Sham district, uh, who are uh, outsourced workers and self-employed uh, workers from mid-July to 1st of August. And uh, we found there are five main points that, uh, just like you said, uh, most cleaners have faced uh, strain injury, but they are not able to get uh, medical treatment. And then uh, as most of them have three regions are mostly affected are the forearm, knee and low back. And the third 
uh, main findings is that uh, cleaning workers need to keep the same posture uh, re- repeatedly uh, so that they uh, get injured more easily. And then uh, the fourth uh, main findings is that uh, the understanding of the medical uh, service are inadequate. And, right. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, what's alarming about um, these 213 people that you talk to is that they're all over 40 years old. In fact, 22% of them are, are over 71 years old. It's hardly surprising that somebody that age cleaning the streets will develop pain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we found that uh, many of them are aged workers. And uh, uh, even that they uh, are 70 years old, they still got the cleaning work, uh, yeah. Are they covered by uh, any kind of uh, compensation, like the employee's compensation ordinance of any kind? Uh, No, I I think. Because um, if they got uh, uh, compensation, they need to get to the uh, labor department and uh, for the work injury. But strain injury is um, uh, not, not as severe, but uh, uh, keep uh, repetitively used uh, uh, muscles so that they got injured. But usually they get pain, but not hurt or some uh, yeah, accident like that. Yeah, and, and so the problem really is because most of these people are self-employed. That's why they, they are not covered by any kind of compensation. So what kind of improvement um, do you hope to see in protecting yeah, these elderly workers? We, we think that uh, uh, there are some, some limitation of the medical treatment service nowadays. So we uh, suggest that government can provide more uh, outreach medical service for strain injury and uh, pain, uh, like the um, Medicine Mobile Clinic, which are um, uh, next to the uh, cleaning workers' workplace. Because uh, most of them uh, work for a long time and they are not able to go to the uh, uh, clinic or hospitals. So uh, we think that like these, uh, these kind of outreach work is more important. Many of the, I mean, you're, you're saying provide the medical care next to where they work. These are street cleaners. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, if the uh, the clinic can be uh, or the mobile clinic can be uh, go to the uh, like uh, the uh, uh, the their workplace, then they can uh, get uh, the treatment uh, even if they are uh, resting in their workplace. I mean, do you do you, do you think there should be some kind of regulation to better protect self-employed people in general? Yeah, but but uh, the regulation for self-employed are much more difficult because uh, uh, people who are uh, self-employed uh, they they get jobs they uh, themselves and usually uh, the the uh, they they have no insurance for them. So it is uh, much more difficult to to in in the regulation. No, no, just now we're talking about how many of these um, street cleaners are, are, are quite old. They're in their 70s. Of course, it's very terrible to see uh, people at, at that age having to clean on the streets. But um, uh, I imagine these street cleaners, they, they want those jobs. If they don't have those jobs, uh, they, they won't have any income at all, um, Ivy Hoy. They, they they're not other jobs that they're qualified for. Is that right? So the street cleaning is their 
only source of income, maybe. Yeah, uh, most of them uh, got the cleaning work uh, uh, is the uh, only uh, income for them. And if they are 70 years old, they can get some allowance from the government. But uh, if they are not uh, uh, 70 years old, they are difficult to get uh, any allowance or, uh, yeah. And or they so, just so don't that, qualify for, for allowance because they haven't lived here long enough. They're not qualified because the income of the uh, cleaning workers have over the the uh, 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 assets. Uh, no, no, income, income. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I guess is, I guess many of them might be actually rather worried that if you introduce new regulations, maybe just to actually to try and protect them, that um, some of them would would finally end up losing their jobs. Ivy Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, as far as you know, um, have you come across cases in which people lose their jobs um, as a result of these injuries? I mean, what are some of the worst scenarios that you've come across? We, uh, they, they will not lose their job if they got injury, but they need to rest if the injury is more severe. But uh, most of them will try to keep uh, working because they don't want to lose their jobs. So uh, uh, unless the injury is some like a work accident or that uh, really uh, harmful to their uh, um, uh, work, and then they, they won't uh, stop working. Right. Uh, most of these people, as as we said earlier, are street cleaners. So what, what other um, sort of areas are they working in other than sweeping the streets? Uh, sorry? Most of them are street cleaners, these, these elderly um, uh, uh, workers that you've been interviewed. Other than cleaning the streets, what, what other kind right. of work are they doing? Yeah, they, they, some of them may collect the rubbish bin, the, the garbage from, from the rubbish bin, so they need to lift a, a rubbish bin and so maybe hurt to the back, low back, and then they need to, uh, like, uh, uh, like for the self-employed, they need to, uh, get those rubbish from, uh, different, uh, uh, buildings. And am I right in thinking that most of them are not directly employed by the government? They're working through contractors, aren't they, Ivy Hoy? Yeah, they, they are outsourced workers and self-employed, so they're not uh, directly employed uh, by the government. OK, and that causes extra problems, doesn't it, in terms of enforcing standards on them? Yeah. It, it makes it more difficult to sort of follow up on medical and so on issues when they're not directly employed by the government. Yeah, they, they don't have any medical insurance, but uh, they can only have the labor insurance. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and that was Ivy Hoy. Ivy Hoy is a community organizer at uh, the Concern for um, Grassroots um, a, a li a li Livelihood Alliance um, and drawing our attention to what is actually really um, quite a uh, serious problem there. Thank you very much also to Jenny Lamb um, for joining us on the show today. Um, early on we were talking about civil servants. The uh, weather forecast, uh, sunny periods, very hot, isolated showers in the afternoon, moderate southwesterly winds. Uh, the temperature currently 30 degrees, relative humidity 75%. <laughs>